Hi, I'm Christy Scarrow. In this expert interview series, I'm talking to experts who help leaders to have an influence, gain commitment from their team, and make an impact. And today, I'm happy to welcome fellow Canadian, Debbie Adams. She is the creator of People Can Business Apprenticeship, and she helps seriously driven entrepreneurs fast track the transition from employee to entrepreneur so they can generate revenue sooner. Welcome, Debbie. I'm glad to be here. Happy to have you. So, so tell me a little bit about the people you support and the, the obstacles and challenges that you find they have. Um, so I'm a, I'm really a business coach, and uh, and I have a little income tax business, and I was a forced entrepreneur. So that transition into entrepreneurship was really difficult. Now I support seriously driven, as I mentioned on my website, people who have uh, you know are hungry to make a business work. There's a lot of people who start a business and get stuck in dabbling. The people that I work with are, are looking to replace their income. So maybe they lost their work in the oil and gas industry in this past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they would be my client, but they're definitely driven. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, you're working with people who really want to make it work. What do you find are some of the, the stumbling blocks they, they encounter or that you encountered when you first and you know, I kind of got forced into being an entrepreneur? Uh, well, you know, if you work for somebody else, it's a totally different setup than running your own business. And um, many people don't want to be in the work that they're in, but they know that they have to develop uh, the ability to be assertive. Like you are the CEO from day one, so there's no team to turn to. You have to be able to develop that big network of people around you. Mm-hmm. I only focus on the networking, the money, and uh, the communication piece. Okay. So tell me, um, networking then, what kind of a really important tip you think people need to think about if they're afraid to network and, or don't know how to do it, which I know is, a, for a lot of people, a really hard thing to do. I think in the very early stages, the thing that we try and do is sell to people uh, that are, you know, that are in our inner circle already. And they're generally, they generally don't end up being our clients, but they're a good place to kind of practice. The piece that we need to get to is being able to network with people that are like you, people that do exactly um, the kinds of things that you do, because you'll end up, you know, uh, swapping clients, referring people. You have to develop that network of sages. You need all of the rest, too, you know, the prospects and leads and all that jazz. But you need a group of people who do exactly what you do. Yeah, I think that's a really important lesson that I myself took a long time to learn. I think my initial thought was like, well, these are my competitors. They're, you know, and and as you said, recognizing that they serve the same same audience, but maybe in a slightly different way with a slightly different focus uh, can be really beneficial. I think it took me years as an entrepreneur to figure that out. So that's that's a great tip. Um, Mm -hmm. And what about, so obviously money is really an important aspect for you and something you focus on. So what do you find are, are the things that get in people's way when it comes to money? Well, it shows up in their lives as in not having enough of it. That's usually um, the first clue. <laughs> but <laughs> and that's usually a result of maybe not being able to charge what you're worth in the market, not having the confidence to be able to, to um, you know, step up and say what that price is. A lot of a lot of women that I meet kind of waffle around that, or they they charge uh, the pr- the rate they should charge and then they end up giving so many extras that they may as well they water down their price 
So, um, that I, and that's where I was. Like I, 10 years in business, I sometimes forget that I used to be there as well. And when we've developed a skill, we forget that we didn't always have it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you're right. And I see that with, with women in particular, unfortunately, which is they undervalue that level of experience. And you get nervous, especially in your state where, you know, I, I know myself, I have three kids. Uh, some points in my my life, I, I was the only breadwinner when my husband wasn't well. And it's it's so stressful to think I can't say no to something. And that's it's a bit of a risk to do that as an entrepreneur because you do undervalue yourself and you and scope creep is really real. As you said, you start doing more and more and more out of desperation than for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So I'm a like kind of a law of attraction junkie with, you know, with a few modifications, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the universe is always listening. So when we say no to a client who doesn't exactly fit into the profile or or can't really afford to pay, a few things happen. You mentioned uh, uh, my um, model is the apprenticeship model. I'm a mechanic by trade and I'm also legally blind. And so I was forced into entrepreneurship and what I took with me was the apprenticeship model. So when I uh, started out, I couldn't charge what I was worth, neither in the tax side of the house or in the business coaching side of the house. And what happened when I said no to a client that show, uh, showed up and tried to lowball me was I sent a powerful message to the universe that I'm not taking that anymore. Hmm. And then they stopped showing up. Not overnight, but eventually, right? And w- the apprenticeship model, um, if you look at the apprenticeship model, it will have a master who comes alongside, a master at whatever the craft is. And in this sense, it's making money. Um, you come alongside and you teach somebody how to do that. When you let go of a client that won't pay you what you're asking, they end up with another business coach who's just starting out, who's just developing the, business, the chops to be able to charge large him or herself. So that person gets with the right person. Because we needed those clients that were lowballing us because we didn't have the confidence to be able to charge large. Yeah, yeah. I never thought of it that way. I, I, I know that's a lesson I learned early on too, just in the way I would talk about my business when I when I wasn't at first very successful and, and people would ask me why I had networking coffees and I'm like, how's it going? And I would start with a little bit, well, you know, it's kind of a struggle. And then I said, I'm, I'm going to stop that because that's not helping anybody. Um, so I went with, you know what, here's what's going well. And uh, it, I think that did start to then propel me towards when it built my own confidence, it kind of showcased it. And I hadn't thought of it as a message to the universe, but that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. I do have to ask when you said, you know, you're a law of attraction, um, I don't know, you said junkie, you said with some, alt- with some alter- alterations. What are those alterations? Well, I don't know. When I look at... Um... Uh, when I look at Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, you know, it was written from a very male perspective. And as women, we kind of do it a little bit differently. We're maybe not as aggressive. And and those men that he studied, you know, were totally ignoring uh, all the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they were totally focused on business and somebody was holding them up. He mentions it in the book. You know, there was somebody, somebody at home keeping everything in order. And... Um, I encountered a lady by the name of Patty Lennon a couple of years ago, and she teaches, she has a model called the receiving school. And what she teaches people to do is to break down the resistance. 
to all of the abundance. And I started to um, show appreciation. And you just mentioned that when you said uh, going out to lunch with people and focusing on uh, what it was you were appreciative of. And that uh, helps us to expand and be and have more stuff to be appreciative of. People don't know how to lower that resistance and, and you're doing it. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting way to think about it. And I like I like the alterations you've talked about because I do think it's, you're right, the concept's a bit dated. The principle is still very strong, but I think we need to think about how to continue to bring it to life. And I think some of it is about those practical practical things that we can do every day to, to do that. So um, what else was I going to ask you about? So back to money again, because it's a, obviously a big area of focus for you. And one thing I find with money, sometimes it's, there's a bit of a desire that you don't want to say you're going after money, right? It's almost this resistance, kind of like being called salesy, which I think people use as a negative term. And I personally am trying to uh, dispel that myth. myth. But I'd love to hear kind of that, what you see in people's perspectives of money that maybe actually get in their way. Yeah, so I met somebody who said that they didn't like the word gratitude. And I want to use this as an example about how I feel about money. They didn't like using the word gratitude because it had all kinds of negative connotation for them. So they used the word appreciate, which is lovely. So for me, if you know that gratitude has all of this baggage attached to it, we need to work on, uh, you know, why is it? Because the word itself has no energy whatsoever. So you have all of that attached to it. So let's bring that notion over into the money area for a minute. I love making money. And I love saying I love making money. And I know when I say that, and I feel it in my body, I feel I, I love making money as much as I love my two grand puppies. And, uh, you know, and when I say that, some people don't like me because they have baggage around money. And when I say that, it puts me in that camp of people who, if you like making money, you cannot be a good person because yeah. that's what's happening below the surface is that if you focus on money, you don't, you're not serving. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for me, it doesn't, I don't have any baggage around money. I love making money. The more that flows in, the more. I serve, uh, you know, it makes me a better person. I do ton of good in the world. And the people that I meet that make good money, you know, that can sustain themselves and sustain other people, they're good people. Uh -huh. So I come from scarcity mindset. You know, I grew up around people with, who had a lot of judgment around people with money. Now I'm on the other side of the equation. People have judgment toward me. But so how did you get there? What was sort of like, if you're in this space where you feel bad every time you say that, or you feel judged, what would be kind of your advice to people who are in that mindset now? Well, the first time I heard somebody talk about how much they enjoyed making money, I totally didn't like the person, but I was, um, I had read enough to know that my reaction was the problem. So, you know, I started, I use EFT, so I tap on everything. Mm. And in the early days, I was tapping on what I was saying, you know, the words that you use to tap with, I didn't really believe them, mm. but I understood the process. So I could suspend that disbelief, you know, and tapping into it, I could talk about that. I don't really believe this is going to work right now, but I'm going to trust the process and suspend my disbelief. It's a work in progress. It isn't a flicking of a switch. It isn't linear, one and done. It's more like a 
you know, scaffolding. One day you get it and you feel comfortable with it and then you're sliding back again. And, you know, as long as you're always taking three steps forward and one or two back, not three back. Yeah. Okay. I love that, that visual, actually, that scaffolding, because we talk about obviously mindset is so important and it just it's an easy thing to say, like change your mindset. It's a, it's a much harder thing to do. So if you think about it in terms of what you said there, scaffolding and just little steps to go, okay, now I'm a little more comfortable. That feels, you know, if you're talking about wanting to make money every day, it's like you're facing kind of, okay, now, as I say it more and more, it's coming more natural. It's feeling like, you know, it's, it's, it's fitting with me more than it might have. So uh, I think that's a really interesting idea. And I think the way that it shows, sometimes we talk about law of attraction and fees abstract it's out there but here's how it shows up in our day-to-day lives you know when you're stuck in money issues you'll have somebody show up and they'll say yes i'd love to take your program but i need to pay you in 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 payments can you do that and maybe the program is not long enough to do that right like you'll have delivered it before they fully paid it off so um you need to say no you know it makes good business sense to say no but you can't say no but you're moving toward that And then you get to a place where you just say, no, that's not possible. And you kind of bless and release that person, let them go on and find what they need somewhere else. Because we, as business people, we have cash flow. You know, we need to have cash flow. We can't have all of these log jams and meet a business owner being on the, the hook for all of these receivables and everybody out in the world getting stuff for free. Yeah, that doesn't a good business person make and if you were i always say to my clients like you got to pretend that you're not the ceo for a second and pretend you're an employee and ask whether the ceo would be pleased with what you're doing (laughs) and in all likelihood the answer would be no yeah that's a good way to think about it right get in the head of your people in your team and the other people around you and i definitely like your concept of finding ways to say no to clients. I think that for me, is, was, it was and probably still is a hard thing to do, less so about the money and more so about that desire to help. And I sometimes have to say to myself, like, not everybody can be saved. Not everybody, like, it doesn't matter if I say no, because it's either not the work I'm going to do, maybe I'm not the right person, or, you know, maybe it's not the right time for them. But I think we make those choices, um, you know, are they really important in business, but it's very hard sometimes to walk away from a paying client, either because you, you're desperate for the money, you just feel like you don't want to take it, you know, what, what if you said no to this person and five of your clients go away, right? Then you're like, oh, I should have said yes. So I think that's a, a scary place for some people. But I do think what you said is so important, which is you have to, you said, maybe do it in baby steps. Maybe you can't say no the first time, but at least you acknowledge that maybe you should. Or maybe there's a yes and right this time and next the next time it's a no. So oh yeah, without a doubt, 100 yeah. percent But don't sometimes as women we feel like we must say yes. We have a, an overinflated sense of our own importance as if we're the only one that can solve that problem. Because yeah. there are other if you don't show up to volunteer at the next event, somebody else who may not have been prepared will grow. Yeah, okay right? Um, Sometimes people are addicted to giving. They want to be seen as that person. Oh, she's so generous. Oh, she is so generous. (laughs) And they love hearing that. And when you stop, it is so. You step back, somebody else grows, you grow too. Yeah, no, I love that as an insight. And and 
as you know, as in coaching and as I do as well, it's, it's I think drawing out those uh, uh, what those what those that self talk is right. Those things that if you're desire to be known as the the generous person, what behaviors are you doing to continually reinforce that that maybe you shouldn't? I love that. So Debbie, is there anything else? I know you've got something I'm going to put in the description that I'm going to share, which is uh, your opt-in money mindset book, which I think will be really interesting for the audience. And it's touched on a little bit about what we're talking about. Um, anything else that you, you want to share that I didn't ask you or that, that you really think is important for leaders to think about? Um, I don't really have anything prepared or specific, but I can always come up with something. And I think that um, the world is, there, there is no competition. You mentioned competition early on, and I, I kind of tucked that away as something I want to blog about. There is tons of room in the world for all of us to make as much or as little impact and money as we want to. And everybody, 90% of the people are playing way too small. And I think they should just get out there and blow up. It's beautiful. That's, that's a wonderful nugget that uh, I think will be the essence of what I want to share with the audience. Right? I think you're right. We play, we play small. We potentially self-sabotage. We listen to the, vo the wrong voices in our head. And we don't um, you know, put it out there to the universe because we're, we're afraid, potentially. So I, I love this conversation. It's been very insightful for me personally and I think it will be uh, very insightful for for my audience as well so appreciate you coming here today Debbie and having the conversation and uh, thank you again for for being a part of this and thank you for having me Christy <laughs>